Welcome to the Detroit Evening Report Weekends, where, unlike DER during the week, we spend some time with the people and places that make Detroit special. Here with us today is WDET reporter and DER host extraordinaire, Nargis Rahman. Hey, Nargis. Hi, Sasha. Tell us a little about the story you brought us today. So we're going to be listening to a story called In Search of Bengali Harlem. It's a story that's co-directed by Aladdin Yula and Vivek Bald about Bengali men who jumped ship in the early 1920s at places like New York and Boston. One of these men was Aladdin's father. So these men, um, like Aladdin's father, they integrated with African-American communities and Puerto Rican communities. But essentially, they were undocumented people that were not welcome in the United States at that time because of the immigration laws here. So there isn't a documented history about these men. And so this documentary looks into doing just that. That's really interesting. Let's let's take a listen. Vivek Bald, I'm the co-director and co-producer of In Search of Bengali Harlem. I am Aladdin Yula, the star and producer and co-director of In Search of Bengali Harlem. So I've been making documentary films focused on different aspects of the South Asian American and South Asian diaspora experience since the early 1990s. My first film in the early 1990s was called Taxi Vala Autobiography, and it focused on South Asian taxi drivers in New York City who were arriving in those days from Pakistan, Bangladesh, and, and India. And my second documentary was called Mutiny Asian Storm British Music, and that was focused on second generation South Asian Asian youth in Britain who were involved in music as DJs and and, and musicians, uh, but also engaged in anti-racist activism in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. Aldine and I met around in the late 1990s when we were both part of a larger second-gen South Asian arts and activist scene in New York City. Because there were so many questions that that Aldin had about his father that I had about his father's place in a kind of larger history that seemed to be there, but you know there was no record, uh, historical record that it could explain Aldin's father. So that set me on a kind of a path of getting a PhD, doing many years of historical research, and ultimately Aldin's father's story just opened up into a huge you know, much larger history. I've been a comedian for, wow, almost 30 years now. And in the uh, 90s, my career was taking off and onto the 2000s. I went out to Hollywood and I was in uh, a few films. And during that time, I was, you know, constantly reading for stereotypical characters, you know, Muslim terrorists and, and things of that nature. And I was challenging the casting directors and then the directors and then, you know, prominent directors who were also writers were saying, well, this is the way America sees you. America only sees Muslims this way. We see South Asians this way. We see Middle Easterns that way. And I felt that I wanted to counter that. So I remember when I was out there just feeling like no one is going to tell this story. People really should see a more human side of Muslims. And I felt like I had a story staring right in front of me, which was my parents' story of how they arrived in America. 
So I decided to go back to New York and try and figure out a way to tell a story or a narrative about my father. What is the movie In Search of Bengali Harlem about? And what are people going to see when they come out to see the movie? I think the film is about a, a person, myself, who was sort of frustrated with the way Hollywood was insistent on how I should be portrayed. I set out on a journey to discover who my father was and in finding my father, I found this lost history of these men who contributed so much to America and came at a time when America didn't want them. In the second half of the film, I go back to Bangladesh to really investigate who he was before and it becomes the story really of both of them, my mom and my dad, and how they survived in America. There was a, a population of, of hundreds of thousands of colonial workers from what was then British colonial India who were getting on ships to work in ports like Calcutta and circulating all through the world. From the 1910s onward, there was a steady stream of those men who were finding a way to jump ship in ports like New York and Baltimore to filter into the United States at a time when the anti-Asian immigration laws were really severe. At this time when the United States as a nation was criminalizing the entry of South Asian migrants and these, these ship jumpers in particular, it was African-American and Puerto Rican communities that were giving them the opportunity to build new lives. Neighborhoods like, like Harlem, the Lower East Side, Spanish Harlem, and that's a history that extends into Detroit, actually, because a lot of those men who jumped ship in New York and Baltimore then created a kind of clandestine network to make their way to Detroit in the 1910s and 1920s to work in auto factories. And so in Detroit, you had a whole community of men from this same background, from places like Silet and Chittagong and Noakali, present-day Bangladesh, who then were coming to neighborhoods, black neighborhoods like Black Bottom and, and Paradise Valley, working in the auto factories, and then marrying within local African-American communities in Detroit. And those men were some of the were part of some of the very first, you know, gatherings of Muslims in, in the United States that included both African-American Muslims and immigrant Muslims from South Asia. For the last generation, we've had young South Asians, young Muslims being told, go back to your country, you're outsiders, you're newcomers, you're not from this place. And we want to show with this film, well, no, in fact, these communities have been here for over 100 years. What did you learn about yourself in this journey? I realized I was more Bangladeshi than I thought. I would always say to my mother, you know, I'm, I'm not from Bangladesh, I'm from you know, New York. I'm like, come on, I listen to hip hop. I'm a Knicks fan. I love the Yankees. I'm born and bred in New York. And she would say, no, you're from my stomach. You're from Noakali. When I went to Bangladesh, there's one thing to be in the city, but then when you go to the rural area, the village, you're like, wow. You're like, man, this is a whole nother world. But you know, it's funny when you're immersed in it, you just sort of adapt to it and you feel like you become part of that world. And I felt for a long time, you know, I was running from who my family was. And then it was in Hollywood that I realized that I'm reading for parts and all I'm doing is channeling my father. But I was like, I'm playing my father, but do I really know my father? 
And this is where I felt I needed to go back home and really explore who he is. So I think it's gratitude and a really better understanding and empathy of my parents. So we just heard Nargis Rahman's interview with Vivek Bald and Aladdin Yula about the film In Search of Bengali Harlem and that actual search that Aladdin Yula did to learn more about his father and his own history and expose so much history about his culture and community, which of course included Detroit because we're at the middle of everything. One of the things I thought was really interesting about how he framed this search was not only that it was a search to learn more about his father and not only to learn more about his culture, but there was also a a kind of search to find something he could use to challenge people's assumptions about who he was. I think that's interesting because when you're growing up as a second generation you know, kid from an immigrant community, you are always fighting with two identities at the same time. And it sounds like Aladdin really discovered this when he was trying to pursue this professional life as a comedian and as an actor. He didn't realize how much that was also how other Americans saw him, that you were either too Muslim or too South Asian, not American enough, even though you think by growing up here that you are very American and just as American as everybody else. And so that sets people on a self-discovery journey to figure out what are those two pieces, how do they fit in, and then how do you fit in into the larger sco- scope of being an American? It's And I think it was very interesting that he wanted to challenge how people thought of what it means to be American, because we love to say that we're a melting pot and everyone is welcome, but then we know historically that that's not always the case. It's also really interesting to hear about the merging of cultures um, in experience and also in people. We tend to think about communities as very um, separate and segregated and, uh, and in conflict often, actually. And so the idea that communities come together to support each other and create new history and, and new culture is also really interesting to hear about. Yeah, when I first heard about the Bengali Harlem, it was actually a book that Vivek Bald published many years before the documentary came out. And this was, as he mentioned, he went and did a PhD, did some research, got oral histories to back up the story about all these men that came uh, after jumping off of ships in ports of the U.S. And it was news to a lot of people, especially people like me, who we don't really know about the generations that come before. And something that Vivek Bald said was it's ironic how people will tell you to go back to where you came from, but people have been here for generations and are building on those legacies a lot of times without even knowing that that's the case, right? Because in immigrant communities, people don't always sit down and tell you about your history. You don't always have the opportunity to know where your grandfather is, the struggles that they have gone through, or your father, um, because we were growing in a way that, you know, let's look at the future. Let's create a better future and opportunities and focus on and the present, not the past. And so people have left their homes in times of war, in times of conflict, 
yes, to pursue better opportunities, but that doesn't mean that it always happened in this peachy way where they just booked a ticket and came to America. You you know, we hear stories all the time about people came with just $5 in their pocket and had to build a life from nothing. And so Aladdin's story is very similar to that, where his dad was very young, jumped ship, and he didn't know kind of what was going to happen after that. Something they talk about in the documentary film is that when they came to the U.S., the Puerto Rican and African-American communities were the ones who welcomed them in, right? And like you mentioned, you don't hear stories like that. You think everyone is just, you know, we versus they kind of thing. The story takes place before South Asian Americans were welcomed to apply for citizenship and live here and bring their families here. That didn't happen until the civil rights movement. So it's very interesting to see that the Bengali men were already living side by side with these communities before they were even welcome here, and that the civil rights movement created um, immigration laws that welcomed other immigrants and you know, we're really indebted to the communities that were here before to pave the way for that to happen and to create um, welcoming spaces for immigrants and people who were, you know, traditionally not welcomed into the United States before that. In the past, when America did allow people to come, they had to be well-educated. They had to be professionals that gave America something. We know that America is built on the immigrants' backs, and it's built on the people who have laid the foundation many years before that. And so our minority communities a lot of times are told to that we're um, against each other, but really we're working together to build a beautiful America based on the challenges people faced and the new opportunities they created together. It's interesting to, to think about, as you said, how long communities have been in the area. When um, I feel like we, we locally talk about the Bengali community as a community that is new to this area. And so to kind of learn about how much older and how much deeper those roots are is important. But I know also from your reporting that we're still creating opportunities to even uh, incorporate the Bangla language into things like voting and, you know, to, to really acknowledge and support the community we have. Yeah, absolutely. So so some of the men who came in the early 1900s, yes, they also married and integrated into the Puerto Rican and African-American communities, but other people would go back home and then get married to someone and then bring them over and then create their families after that. So that was like the beginning. But, you know, there was a huge immigration wave in the 1990s and then also in the 2000s, and that's because of things like the diversity um, visa lottery where people can apply and can by chance, have the opportunity to come to the United States. And so there was different opportunities for people to come in different ways. And some of the people who came in the 1990s had to then apply to bring over their siblings or their parents. And that takes years and years. So some of those families are finally making it to the United States. And depending on what's happening in America at that time, things like you know the Muslim ban or immigration laws, and when they get tighter or looser, those things impact how families are either separated or able to then come back together. And so people are, when, when people are coming to the United States, it's like a family could have five people. And if four people are coming, you know, four different families or those siblings have families of their own now that are grown up, that's like 20 people coming to the United States at the same time. And in places like Hamtramck in Detroit, 
they're welcoming towns where people feel like they can just start their lives and there's uh, there's processes there's communities that will help them get on their feet they're able to perhaps purchase a home for the first time or drive a car and um, send their kids to better schools and things like that over time people are able to build off of the foundations that people have set in the beginning in the early 1900s in the 2000s and many years before that whereas those people who came before us had to really struggle to find that footing, and they dealt with unique challenges. They perhaps didn't buy a house right when they got here or couldn't even find a job right away and had to really lay low before they could um, progress through and jump through the hoops of what it means to fully live the American dream. So the immigrants in the early 1900s, Bengali immigrants in the early 1900s, would have come while their nationality would have been Indian, and they would be ethnically Bengali. That's correct. But this is before the establishment of Bangladesh? Yeah, so Bangladesh became a country in 1971. So anyone before that would be Indian. Um, in the story of Alauddin, he talks about how they pulled up his dad's marriage certificate, and on it said that he was Indian, and then it said slash white. So even in the early 1900s, on the... In America, you're either white or you're black, right? And so Indians were considered white. And I think it depended on how you were classified. I don't know exactly, is that someone that fills out a form for you, like the city clerk fills that out, or is that something that you get to establish for yourself? I mean, no, recently we've been hearing a lot of stories about how the Arab American community is pushing for a MENA category, right? And so that's Middle Eastern North African a category to differentiate because they also have that categorization that they're white on the census and on federal documents, what, which causes communities to be erased. Their unique um, challenges, their unique things that they need in their communities and even opportunities are erased. Their experiences are erased. In Search of Bengali, Harlem came to Detroit as a part of the Free Film Festival this year, and that's over. Um, if people want more information about the film, how can they get it? People can go to BengaliHarlem.com. They still have more screenings coming up, and that's probably the best way to keep in the know. Fabulous. Thank you for joining us, Nargis. Thank you. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us for the Detroit Evening Report Weekends, where we spend some time with the people and places that make Detroit special. If you know of a story we should know about, people you think we ought to be talking to or places we ought to go, drop us a line at Detroit Evening Report at WDET.org. And we'll see you Monday.